Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello, and it is a great day in the USA today. The sun is shining. We started off with cloudy skies in the Midwest, and we have been through probably four different uh, weathers today in one day. It's just quite fascinating to me. So this show has been on the air for almost four years now, and uh, we have a weekly broadcast interviewing the most amazing people doing the most amazing work, making the world a better place. And all of these podcasts are available for your listening ease at um, you can go to spiritseeker.com and click on the radio show icon and it will take you uh, to the radio show page or you can go directly to the radio page which is simply www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Cindy Meyer and that's spelled C-Y-N-D-E-M-E-Y-E-R. I'm going to do all the announcements up front which are very few just to let you know that the new issue of Spirit Seeker will be online uh, this Sunday on June 30th actually on Monday, June 30th, and um, we have some great articles, and we have several years archived there as well. So you can listen to fabulous interviews just because they're there for your um, enrichment, and then the magazine is what makes the radio show possible. It's been published for 18 years in the Midwest, and we just expanded into the Seattle region. Uh, That's the print magazine. We've been read online for 16 of our 18 years, and if you want to know when the magazine's online, when I have uh, the radio show, etc., please send an email to info, info, at spiritseeker.com and ask to be added to our email list. We have a weekly email newsletter where we send out notices about you know when the magazine's online when the radio show is happening who the guests are for that month and that week and then any other mind body spirit events happening throughout the u.s so there it is we don't sell our list so the only way you're going to hear from us is if it's from us Okay, so tonight I am uh, my guest is Annie Kagan, who I have interviewed before, and she is a phenomenon. You know, she's just um, she's tuned in, and she was given an extraordinary responsibility, in in my humble opinion, to help others understand uh, what happens when we leave this dimension, this earthly plane. And Annie didn't ask for this assignment. She was a chiropractor and a songwriter living in Manhattan. She got tired of the hectic life and went in search of a of serenity in a whole different way. She was living in a small secluded house by the bay in Long Island, I do believe. And then all of a sudden, her life changed. So, Annie, are you there? How nice to speak with you. Yes. So, you know, you're this ordinary, not ordinary, you're very creative, talented, but you leave the noise to go to the quiet, and then who could have predicted what happened? I mean, it was just, why don't you tell us what happened? (laughs) It is pretty amazing, and it it continues to amaze me to this day, Um, which just kind of shows us that 
when you feel like a stranger in your life, uh, you don't know what might be waiting for you. So actually, I had studied really hard, and first I had been a musician and a singer, and then I decided to become a chiropractor. And I went to school, and um, I had a very successful practice in New York City. And after several years, I began to feel very stressed out uh, being a doctor. It was just too much dealing with pain for me because I had always been a very creative person. And I decided to learn to meditate to try to remedy the situation. What happened, though, was my particular meditation that I was drawn to was a meditation that you were required to do for at least two and a half hours every day. And instead of getting stronger, which is what I thought would happen, I became really, really sensitized. And uh, suddenly, New York City began to feel overwhelming and going to work became more difficult instead of easier. And I made a very uh, difficult decision and I left my practice. I left the city. I found a small house. I thought I would go back to writing music, which I had done as really since I was 14 years old. And uh, then my brother died and uh, began speaking to me from the afterlife. And I had no idea at the time that... Um, that what he told me would be affecting people everywhere around the world today. It's quite remarkable. Well, you know, when I interviewed you initially, which I don't even remember, it's been a while now, um, you had 10,000 Facebook-like uh, like status. Now you're at 125,000. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, there is definitely something here <laughs> that, um, and I think, you know, for me, when I read your book initially, and I just thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was so real. I mean, I could hear him and see him doing some of the things that, you know, he was, you know, doing from the other side to get your attention and to really, you know, it, it, it's it's quite magical what has happened between the two of you. And, you know, and for anyone that doesn't know the story, Annie, this went on for how many years before you wrote this book? The, the book itself it accompany, uh, encompasses about two and a half years of the journey, but the journey still goes on today. So the book was about the first two and a half years of my brother talking to me that began three weeks after he died and um, all the different dimensions and realms and changes that he went through because actually one of the really surprising things is how much the soul changes after we die. I don't know about you, but I kind of had this very static view of somehow we would just go into a pool of bliss and I thought it would be nice, whatever it was, but I didn't think about it too much. But actually, Billy goes on a very transformative journey 
through different realms, and he speaks in real time about what he's going through, and then also along the way, he gives me proof that um, he's not my imagination because of, at first I thought, well, I'm going crazy because of my grief. I'm so sad that somehow my mind is making this up. But um, he knew that that's what I thought, and he gave me evidence that uh, he was real. Right. So, Annie, in your own, in, you know, to look at your own life, how has this changed you, this, this dialogue with, and an understanding of the, the greater mystery of life, shall we say, and the different dimensions and, and the preciousness of what's going on here, right here? Oh, that's a really fun question. I think it's changed me in every single way. I think the biggest way it's changed me, not that I wasn't this way before, but I'm about a thousand percent more, is that I am really empowered to be my own authority. That's Billy's biggest gift to me because he makes you see that you know, the people in power may, maybe shouldn't be in power, and that the one thing that you could count on in life is yourself. And exploring life, which is a very complicated mystery, is your job. And yes, you could listen to other people and take the best, but really, you need to run your life yourself. And that's a wonderful feeling for me, especially right now, because like right now I'm I'm in this situation like what do I want to do next? And so Billy always tells me this is this is his new thing, everybody. <laughs> he is like enjoy your life as much as you can. You know. Really enjoy right. yourself. And so I although I don't know what that direction quite is yet, I know I want to do things that I enjoy. Right. You know, and I think that's, you know, the the do what you love and the money will follow, you know. I mean, there's so many been so many books written on it and uh, do what you love and the bliss will follow. And But I think so often, especially after this experience, you know, that you've had, it's changed you probably so much that, you probably don't even know, like, who you are anymore. Like, that, that didn't come out right. Let me rephrase that. You probably are, like, totally, like, almost like a baby born new again. You know, like, who am I? What's it all about Alfie? You know, that, that I'm showing my age here. But, you know, when you wake up and you think, well, what do I joy, enjoy? What is, what is, like, the thing that I most want to do now? And I think that's where most people that get in ruts, they just – they don't know. They just, it's automatic. And then all of a sudden it's not automatic, which is what you did when you pulled up your roots from everything that you knew and went out to the secluded spot and said, okay, I'm, I'm here. Yes, and I, I, I think that the other lesson that affects me every day, several times a day, is what Billy calls quantum viewpoint. Because really, he told me this wonderful story um, Billy used to tell me these little fables, and one of them was about 
a girl and she was studying all these spiritual symbols and always looking for the truth and she'd look at the symbols in the daylight and she'd look at the symbols at night and they changed and then there was a big archway and on the other side of the archway her dead brother appeared and said to her guess what there is no one truth you can pick your truth and that is such a beautiful freeing thing that there isn't just one way to see any situation and you can pick the viewpoint that empowers you and that enables you to go on stronger so often every time you know every time I'm challenged which is often I promise you Sometimes people think I just have this, you know, guide that tells me what to do. Well, not at all. You know, Billy doesn't interfere in my decisions, really. And um, I look at it through many viewpoints, and I pick the one that makes me feel best and that, that makes me feel empowered. And I never knew that before. I never knew how many different ways I could look at the diamond, how many different facets there were. You know, and uh, I remember, you know, uh, when I when we spoke before and, you know, and reading in the book, like Billy, his whole thing was when he looked at life, like he could see all the different options, like the choices, like the, the way his choices had played out or if he had done another vignette, shall we say, like if he made a different, like you can see all of those choices, but not in an emotional way, just a, um, like a learning way, shall we say. Yes. And I, one of the, one of the things that I love that he says is, but guess what? There isn't just one right way for everything to work out. Like, we're always looking for the one right way, the one right person, the one right job. Like, everything is so serious and critical. And really, you could play in a lot of different directions. And so, you know, if you make a, quote, mistake, you could just take another path. Things are flexible. So, you know... You just take the moment and, and, and do your best with each moment. And it's okay to make a, mis- a, a mistake because that's what we're here for. Right. I know a lot of people say there's no such thing as mistakes, but I don't, really, I don't really believe that. You know, sometimes you do something, it, it wasn't the best choice, but that's okay. So, you know, Annie, your brother has spoken to you in so many different ways from the other side. So for our listeners who are like, okay, I'm definitely going to go out and get this book, which, by the way, is The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, How My Bad Boy Brother Proved to Me There's Afterlife. And he did it in so many incredible ways. So would you share just a couple of the different ways in which Billy spoke to you and kind of like said, okay, you don't believe me, but guess what? It's the truth. Yes. Well, the first time he spoke to me was three weeks after he died. It's amazing to me, Cindy, how casually I talk about this now. (laughs) Because, you know, for years I hardly told anybody, and now here I am speaking to everybody. (laughs) So that's very cool. That shows my own evolution. 
So Billy also evolved the way he communicated with me, evolved as he evolved. So three weeks after he died, I was in a state of very deep grief, and the sun was coming up, and I actually heard his voice, his very distinctive, deep, mellow voice, calling my name as if there was a hole in my ceiling, and I heard him very clearly. And he's like, Annie, Annie, get up. And I thought I was dreaming, but I wasn't dreaming. And that outside of my head voice, uh, that was the way he communicated with me for quite a while, and it always came from the right side. I always heard him kind of like through my through my right ear, I would say, or as if he was off to my right. Then as he went into different stages and became, let's say, more a little further away, I would see like a blue-white light and I would have to really focus on the light in order to hear him talk to me. So it was like turning on a radio and tuning into a station. Um, And then later on, I began to hear him through my crown chakra. And that was giving me an experience, an intensified experience, to feel exactly where he was and the incredibly blissful, amazing, unimaginable atmosphere of the world beyond this one, which is really beyond anything we could imagine. It's it's that compassionate and intelligent and beautiful. Wow. I mean, I I think that so many people are so curious and doubt themselves, you know, with when they think that, you know, they're they're going crazy or they're imagining it or whatever. And this book to me is one of the greatest gifts for validating that, you know, our loved ones can talk to us from the other side in so many ways. And and listeners, Annie will take questions this evening. You just have to press 1 on your phone, and then my um, producer will uh, put you in the side room, and we will take your calls. So um, if you do have a question for Annie, by all means, just press 1, and we'll bring you uh, on with your questions. So, you know, Annie, I, I just think that um, – this, this book is just such a validation for so many people and you have such a writing style that it's, it's as if we're in, we're right there with you, which, you know, it's really magical. Yeah. That's the thing that I, that I love that I hear day after day from people who write me emails is that Billy is alive for them and they feel like, they're going on the trip with him. So they have an experience reading the book. So it's not just like reading a book. It's actually an experience that changes them. And what I hear so often is that Billy expresses, because um, for listeners who haven't read the book, the book is kind of a conversation between me and Billy. And Billy talks a lot (laughs) and Billy's although you know he's dead he's charming and funny it's he's very funny and um he says a lot of amazing things not only about death but also about 
how to have a better life. And um, people just say that he voices things, wisdom, that they've always known inside themselves. But when he puts words to it, they have these huge aha moments, which, which is kind of what happened with me. So it's definitely, I don't know, it's, it's really kind of a magical book and it's become kind of a magical experience for me to get all these feedback you know, all, all this feedback from people, especially because, you know, Billy's life was so far from anything that anybody would want to imitate. Because also, you know, Billy had a very difficult life. He had problems with drug addiction all his life. That's why I call him my bad boy brother. He was an extreme lover of life at the same time. Very spiritual, loved people, but his life ended in a very unhappy way. He was very lonely, and his addictions definitely um, took over his life. And now he's just giving this unbelievable wisdom and comfort and love from the other side. And so it shows us all that, A, we can't really judge ourselves or what we're going through, because we don't really know the treasures that we're getting from our experience. And I hear from so many people who are like, you know, have addiction problems or have addicts in their family, and they're so grateful because, you know, there there's so much um, shame often involved in uh, having having any kind of problem, addiction, being sick. You know, people have a lot of uh, expectation that if something isn't perfect about them, that there's something wrong with them or they've created something bad. And Billy really changes that and turns it on its head and makes us all feel, I think that's the universal thing, is like he makes us all feel good about ourselves, right? Right. Right, it's like he's doing his work from the other side, making up for it, tight, like snap, snap. Okay, so maybe I didn't get it when I was there, but here I am, I'm getting it now, and I'm, I just want to, it's almost as if he wants to help as many people as he can through his dear sister and from letting people know that there's so many different dimensions. You know, and so I would love to talk, if you, if you um, are willing to go there next, about some of the soul-level lessons that he has taught through this wonderful dialogue. Like, you know, I love one of the sayings that you have on your Facebook page, we signed up to do this dance together before we were born. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he talks about some amazing things. I think it's like towards the middle of the journey, he gets something called his book of life. And we learn that we each, before we're born, we have our own book of life. In the book, he, he describes it like a kid's coloring book because there are lines, and you're going to color in the lines. But the lines are made of pencil, not ink, so you could erase it. So there's fate and there's freedom at the same time, which is really wonderful. And we sign up to do 
to to go through certain circumstances, meet certain people, have certain lessons, although I will say that that another thing that's really different that I like about Billy is that he tends to call life, instead of learning lessons, he tends to say that we're great experimenters conducting experiments on Earth. And the reason I like that and the reason he says that that's a little bit more useful is because learning seems as if it's kind of happening to us like these circumstances are happening to us and we're learning from them. But when he says that you're an experimenter, you're in charge. Like as soon as I realize, wait a minute, I'm an experimenter here, right? Which way do I want this experiment to go? And so, you know, we we have contracts, we sign up for them. That That was another really enlightening thing um, that he talked about because I talk a little bit in the book or he talks or we all talk about, you know, the difficult relationship that Billy always had with my mother and how when I was a kid I used to wonder, like, whose fault it was. Was it her fault? Was it his fault? And he says, you know, it's nobody's fault because we both signed up to do this little dance together before we were born. And it wasn't because I did something bad to her or she did something bad to me and that karmic equalizing of the score is not really the thing. It's more dramas that we sign up for to experiment with and to uh, gain wisdom from. And so, you know, we sign up to do these things. And then he says, it's so, it's so amazing, layer after layer. And then he says, but really, what is enlightenment? It's seeing beyond all of those dramas into the stars and the planets and the universe and realizing, you know, that you're really an eternal soul just playing these roles. And when you bring that viewpoint into your life, it it's really becomes full of awe and mystery and wonder. Well, and that's such a different take. I mean, you know, it's just such a different higher level understanding that it's all part of the deal. It's all part of the, you know, we call in these life experiences and, and you know, like when he says, you know, even the hard parts, now that I'm on the other side, I get that even the hard parts were just part of it, you know? It was just, it was all part of the journey. And I think that's why he's saying right now, Annie, Annie, have as much fun as you can, enjoy it. Like, like so many people think that, you know, this earth plane existence is the drudgery, and then we get to the other side, and it's so great. And he's trying to say something totally different. He is, and 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 the only place, the the only way that I've been able to even get here a little bit, and I have a long way to go, is because he said, you know, Earth is is a plane of dark and light. It's light and shadow. You know, you can't have the sea if you don't have storms. It's not possible. And I was always waiting for everything to be perfect before I could enjoy myself. Like if there was 
a problem, if there's something I don't want to do, if there's, you know, something that pushes my buttons, it used to completely ruin it for me. Now, it's not so much that I, you know, enjoy everything that's difficult, but like he says, I'm I'm aware that um, that I'm doing calculus, and a lot of things that used to bother me bother me less. They really bother me less because I just know they're part of life, and I'm not supposed to wait for it all to be perfect to enjoy myself. I'm allowed to enjoy myself. That's my inner freedom, as much as I want to, as much as I can. Well, and I think that, you know, when we look at, you know, it's interesting, when we look at our life from a soul-level cosmic view, where we step outside of it and we look at our life, you know, and one of the things that, you know, you write about is, um, and Billy shared, is life is a learning experience chosen for soul-type reasons that humans have an almost impossible time understanding. And, like, once you look at it, like, your soul will call in these experiences, and you're like, what in the world? But but it's like on some level, it's part of the passage. It's part of the, the growth is, is how I interpret it. Yes, that's perfect, and it's and it's part of the game, and it's a mysterious game. And, you know, he always says to me, oh, you know, don't bother to try to understand that exactly because you're not going to be able to, so just live it and enjoy it. You know, that's that's so freeing. We're always, you know, life is so mysterious, and we all feel so kind of, unguided in a way, if you know what I mean, like, hey, what's going on here, really? And um, when you realize that you don't have to figure it all out because you can't, it becomes more pleasant, you know, and and you could just enjoy the colors and the flavors and 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 the love and the people a little bit more when you're not always in your head trying to figure out what you're, what you're supposed to be doing at the moment. Right, which, you know, we know Eckhart Tolle wrote that, The Power of Now, and then, you know, Oprah Winfrey took it and just said, okay, I love what I learned here. And, you know, I love how he says the, the present, present moment is the present it's the gift. It's like mm. this is where, you know, the good thing, good things are. So, Andy, we do have a caller that uh, we have a, a, a question from a caller who wants to ask a question, and we have a question from the chat room. So we'll go to our caller first. Uh, we have Joanne uh, calling from the Midwest, Belleville, Illinois. Joanne, are you there? I am. Okay. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Annie. It's good to hear your story. My son <laughs> passed last year about this time. Uh And I've gotten a few messages from him, and uh, mostly sharing the love and and uh, uh, letting letting us know that he's there for us. Exactly, and that's the most important thing is to really let it in. You know, like Billy will. There's something that he wrote about. You know, come to the ball. Like, let yourself believe it. Of course, you could rationalize it away. But the truth is, you know, they're fine. They want to comfort us. Your son wants wants you to know that he's still there, that you will 
meet again, and he's comforting you. And I believe that the more that you take that in, the more the more he'll be able to give you. It really helps with the grief. Um, he had a mental illness, and uh, it never did, you know, show itself. It, it showed itself 20 years ago, and then it was hidden, and he died by suicide. Yeah. So he was so he was 48 years old and so young and vital, and uh, so much to live for. So it's a shocking thing to happen, and um, no one that knew him knew him ever ever thought that that was even possible in, in any way. And uh, I understand the pain that he was in. And he told me the night he died, he came to me and he said, "I did what I had to do." I'm sorry. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh Uh-huh. And it was like he didn't have a choice. His brain was diseased, and it just told him that's what he had to do. Yes, I I get a lot of emails with the same story, the same kind of story, and I think there's this, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, this dark, darkness that hangs over, you know, when somebody takes their own life because of certain religious beliefs. But from what Billy says and from what some other people in this field say, you know, if you think about it, if you think about God or the divine, whatever you want to call God, do you really think that God, who's so compassionate and intelligent and wise, is going to take a soul who has really suffered and punish them for their suffering. It's just not like that. You know, if someone's been suffering from any kind of illness, whether it's mental illness or physical illness, any kind of illness, from what I understand, they're just met by light and bliss and helped. So... I mean that's Yes, that's my that's my feeling too, you know. And uh-huh. he was very, very spiritual. And he was a yes. recovering alcoholic. You talk about your, you know, brother, my son was a recovering alcoholic and had been recovered for twenty three years, I believe. And yes. um, so you know, there's still that mental illness and, and I have a mental illness and it's just something that I, I hate most about my life of of, you know, Everything that I've had happen to me, the mental illness is the worst because you don't have anything to work with when your mind's chemically imbalanced. Yeah, but I guess if if you know you were you were going to do what Billy says to do, it's this thing about you know to stop hating yourself, to stop hating whatever it is that causes you the difficulty, and to love yourself no matter what, and to get on your own side. And things might change. Yes, I believe that is important too. Yeah, you know what I'm so saying. I, I try to go there, but it, it's very upsetting. <laughs> it I, no, I understand, and that's natural. I mean, it, you know, no yeah. one's asking you not to be not to be natural, but to be really compassionate with yourself, no matter what's going on, is like really the way. The divine wants us to be with ourselves. I believe that. I do. 
So thank you for sharing your story, your story, and I'm really sorry for your loss. Well, thank you, and I'm I'm glad that uh, your brother contacts you and that you've written this wonderful book and that you're sharing it because I, I so have had so much proof my own self that you know we the spirit lives on. Yes, thank you and so much. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay. So, Annie, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Okay. I know one of, the, one of the things that Billy has expressed to you is that before each soul comes to earth, its own personal edition of the Book of Life is written. What is, what is your understanding with this? I think that we decide what we want to study on the earth plane and I think that the earth plane has very particular situations which is almost like a limitation of matter like like we we actually limit ourselves and I don't I don't fully understand this but we limit ourselves so that we can evolve in certain ways and gain certain kinds of wisdom and you know one of the things that Billy's talked about is that we're always looking for something new for something creative there's something about creativity that we learn when we're in a body so the book of life is the particular experiments or the particular situations or the particular people that you're going to meet in order to fulfill these uh, these experiments or learning learning uh, experiences, that is beautiful, and that answers a lot um, with this question because I can remember meeting Deepak Chopra many many years ago. I don't I don't know. There were and there were like eight hundred or a thousand people, and he said, you know, take a look at the people that you are in groups with or in contact with. He said, you know, he said, we used to call it synchronicity. Like it was very synchronistic that things would just line up and, you know, oh, look at that, look at that. And he says, we're now into synchro destiny. And he said, pods of people that have worked together before or are here with, with their particular reason or mission for being here are being called together in the soul level awakening or recognition that Billy talks about to me that's what this is it's like really pay attention like just imagine what can happen if you all put your soul level energy together shall we say yes and there are people who you know you feel like you know them and you feel good around them and you grow in their presence and then there are also people who who you feel are very different from you, but you learn different things from them. So, you know, he, he tells me not to not to think too much exactly about. Oh, oh, oh this was a great part of the book because he's talking about his soul tribe and his book of life, and then he realizes, of course, I'm curious about mine. And he says this really strange word. He says, you know, just follow your... Don't worry about, you know, what you're doing here. Just follow your chimera. 
and um, and you'll be exactly where you need to be. So I'm like, Chimera, what is, what's a Chimera? So I, I look it up. Oh, and um, the first thing I see is like, you know, an eight-headed monster. And I decide that I'm not supposed to follow my eight-headed monster. And then I find out that there's a place in Turkey called the Chimera, and there are flames that shoot out from the mountain. And you can't put them out because there's a special kind of gas in the mountain. And even when you put the flames out, they come back. And that's your chimera. It's the flame that cannot be extinguished, no matter how hard you try. So no matter how much I resisted writing this book, and I I, I talk about it in the book, you know, as my husband said, I did it kicking and screaming, you know, right. I still had to do it. And so if you follow that, that flame, and I don't just mean your desire, I mean, you can't help but do it. You have right. to do it. Right? right. And that will really lead you in the direction of your book of life. That's just that's just perfect. You know, I mean, it's just so, there's just so many kernels of wisdom in this book. And, you know, I just have to ask, when he was on the earth plane, were you two, I mean, did you converse regularly? Were you able to, like, tune in when he was in trouble? I mean, what what was that connection Well, like? it would depend what year it was. <laughs> really, I mean, that this is another thing. This is another great lesson is, you know, like, at least half of our lives we were in conflict with each other because, of course, when you, when you grow up in a family and, you know, he's the bad boy always in trouble and always getting yelled that and I'm the little angel always doing you know everything correctly and getting all A's that could cause a little resentment from his side and so you know he had a lot of issues with me um, and of course I just wanted him to love me so much because here was my you know really cool older brother who wouldn't pay any attention to me so I, I would say that you know um, our relationship was very up and down our whole life. Sometimes we were really, really, really close. And oftentimes I would say he he just wouldn't recognize me. And then, of course, at the end, it was really poignant because I was really literally trying to save his life, and I couldn't. And uh, no matter what I did, it just... I just couldn't. It was his time to go. Right. And and uh, I had a lot of guilt. And people who... This, this is really interesting. I'd like to say this too, but when, when someone dies, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's suicide, like our last caller, even whether someone dies from an illness, we feel guilty. We always feel like somehow we didn't do enough. If we had done enough, that person wouldn't die or that person wouldn't have taken their life or that person wouldn't, you know, could have been healthy. And the truth is that um, it's not really about that. It's about remembering the love. A woman wrote to me. She was so distressed. 
because her husband, who she loved dearly, had been ill for many, many years, like four or five years, like very, very ill. And she said at the end, you know, she got a little grumpy and because and, it was so hard and, and now he, he, he's gone and she just wants him to know how much she loves him. And, of course, that's all he knows now. You know, when you're on the other side, you don't, you just remember the love. And that's really important for us. Like, we all feel like we're not enough or we didn't do enough, but we are enough. And it's just the way life is, you know, that life here is, is, is again, light and shadow. So yeah, Billy, Billy and I had our definitely our ups, our ups and our downs, and we still do to this day. You know, right. I mean, the definitely dance. the dance, <laughs> the dance. Well, he definitely in the writing of the book, you know, he, he had me do a lot of things and say things to people that I didn't want to say and do things that I didn't want to do, and we would fight about it, and um, he won. <laughs> Right, right. Well, and I like how um, the, the saying from the book, people will see you as they want to, so don't be too concerned about it. It's like, and I think that in our in our society, there is such a stigma and judgment of anyone who has a drug or alcohol problem. It's, you know, a mental illness, you know, like our caller that called in. I mean, so many people feel uncomfortable with things and then they have their judgments and you know I I also like the part where you said if people could see into each other's souls we wouldn't have any more war and we'd be feeding the poor we would be and and also I have to say that I think um, this theory that we kind of like consciously create every single thing in our lives consciously and that if 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 we're ill or if we have drug addiction or if we have anything that's considered quote bad, that somehow if we could just change our thoughts, it would all change, and that we're responsible. And you know, I I have to say that I don't I don't agree with that. And people will think of you what they will, and they will tell you all kinds of theories that are their theories. And think for yourself. Really, really, really think for yourself. Right. And I think that's the that's the part about, you know, blindly walking through life. It's, you know, there was a book written many years ago, What You Think of Me is None of My Business. And basically, it's what I think of me as my business. And mm. you know, you know, I, I've shared with, shared this with you before. I, I had um, I was I grew up with five brothers, and I now have four because my uh, younger brother um, became addicted to cocaine and then um, committed suicide in 1994. So it's it's been a long time, but it's like when I think of him, it's it's as if he's just right here. And you know, of my five brothers. Um, he was the one who actually said to me, you know, our mother, our mother felt uncomfortable with emotions. <laughs> she had five boys, you know, and they were all pretty stalwart beings. And, you know, we, we were just, and I, as my mother felt uncomfortable with tears of any kind. And, she, you know, my brother's the one who said to me, you know, when I was going through my um, divorce, he said, don't listen to her. Just don't listen to her. And I said, well, she told me there's no time for crying. You have time for that later. You need to, like, stay focused here and get this stuff done. And he goes, 
he said, I just don't, you know, I know that I feel better when I cry. And I looked at him. I said, you cry? <laughs> because it was just, I never knew my brother cried. And he said, I always feel better after I cry. He said, I always mm. feel better. And I was just, you know, I mean, that was a gift because, you know, he was he was always different. He had he was a diabetic at a very young age, and you know his friends would say, "Why don't you eat a candy bar and see if you freak out or what's going to?" Because you know people with illnesses and you know syringes with insulin and you know people just at that time and even today, it's like, well, you're different. You know, you can't eat the way other people eat. You can't, you know, do. I mean, he just you know he just did his own own thing and uh, played played chemist and you know adjust his insulin with some of the things that he did. But but the thing of it is, is that he had, I think that he always knew that, you know, he read everything statistically about his disease, and he just knew he wasn't going to probably live a long life. That was his story that he told himself. And so when he went on this roller coaster, you know, I mean, there were just these moments that, you know, I mean, he would always pick the perfect gift for someone at Christmas, you mm. know, or the holidays. I mean, he would give such thought to it. You know, that he was so much deeper than most people judged him because, you know, he had this long hair and looked like a rebel and, you know, and did drugs, you know. But underneath that, there was this soul that was just a beautiful, beautiful being. And Yes, you know, and, I, I agree. And And one of the things that Billy points out is, you know what, you really don't know. You know, we all say that we can understand each other, right? But the truth is, in a way, we can't. See, that's why Billy's very controversial. He's like, you know what, until you've actually really walked in somebody's shoes, you cannot judge them because you don't know everything about them. You don't know what their soul is doing here. You don't know what they signed up to do before they came here. I mean, I remember at the end of Billy's life, his, you know, after he died, his drug counselor called me and, you know, said how unspiritual he was and how he just didn't trust his higher power and later he led me to billy led me to some of his diaries and actually his higher power was all that was left for him he he, he couldn't right. deal with the earth anymore so you know it it's really kind not to judge other people that doesn't mean you have to like them it doesn't mean you have to hang out with them it just means you know let them do their thing you don't really know what they're doing, and you don't even know what you're doing. So kindness and oh. compassion is is a really important message and a really good way to live your life. You know, it's just it's just so wise. And you know, you know, I was a nurse for many years back in the day. You know, oh, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I started off as a nurse, and I remember my girlfriend's mom saying, why don't you want to be a doctor? And I'm like, mm -hmm, no, I want to be in the trenches. I, you know, I really want that one-on-one -on -one contact, and I didn't know I was an empath at the time. I really had no idea, but I, I knew that I just wanted to help people. And I can remember doing psychiatric rotations where, I mean, the mayor of a city just one day went, like, turned a corner in his mind and, you know, sat there for three years in a completely catatonic state, didn't, you know, didn't 
like nothing. And then all of a sudden he came out of it. And, you know, we don't know. We just don't know. And I love how Billy says we're meant to engage in all kinds of things on earth, things that don't make sense from a human point of view. So take a moment before you judge your fellow man too harshly, which is what you were talking about. And it's like if you just looked at this person in this catatonic state, not even having any understanding that this man once ran a whole city, made decisions, and, you know, and, and made the world a better place. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what goes on. And I think that, you know, that, that saying walk a, walk a mile in my moccasins, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and you know the compassion is is you know it is the key and you and know, compassion with, for yourself, right? Compassion for yourself, that. right? It's like, and I think that's the I think that's one of the the most challenging life lessons for many people. They can go about doing good deeds and et cetera, but when they come to their self, it's they're the harshest sometimes on themselves. That's true, and and Billy says, you know, when he reviews his life on the other side, his drug addiction was the most important, most interesting part of his life. So when I'm facing something particularly difficult and I'm really unhappy about it, because, you know, who likes to face something really difficult? Billy, Billy always says, hey... You're doing calculus right now. You're not doing just simple mathematics. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing calculus. It's really hard, but I'm going to get something really good out of it. Oh, my gosh, the reframe. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, Annie, we have a little more time, and one of the questions um, from the chat room is, What's next with Annie? Are you working no. on or what? What? Are, and I, I know, you know, I know some of you know. You shared a little bit when we talked personally, and whatever you would like to share. I mean, where? What? What is new coming from Miss Annie Kagan, who has influenced so many of us? Oh wow! Well, I used to be involved in the music world. I'm considering doing certain meditations to music and there are some other things I'm thinking about um, and Billy tells me to do the thing that I want to do the most and I don't know what that is yet so I'm going to take the summer and really let myself you know think about it and and if anybody who's listening wants to know just join the Facebook page the Afterlife of Billy Fingers page because everything is always announced on that page and there might be some really fun things coming up in the fall so just tune into <laughs> tune into Facebook <laughs> and you'll tune into Billy yeah. So all you have to do, listeners, is, you know, if you're, you know, when you're on Facebook, just Afterlife or The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, either way, it will get you to this wonderful, wonderful Facebook page. And, you know, Annie, you're so great with posting the pictures and the sayings and, you know, it just stimulates people to really think about things. You know, Billy's working through you in this beautiful way. I just love the pictures. and, and um, Thank you. Yeah, It yeah, is a work fabulous. of love. You know, yeah, you I love doing it. it. I really do. I, it's it's very exciting for me to do it and to see all the comments. You know, and everybody, people have these discussions with each other. It's it's it's, it's a great place to talk about the afterlife and life. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So I like I like his take life a little less seriously. You'd enjoy yourself a lot more. And, you know, my sense is that, you know, um, he's just, you know, still soul progressing from the other side. I mean, I, I like how he, how he went through the different dimensions of, you know, like almost like, oh, my gosh, I'm transparent, like not even realizing that, you know, he wasn't still a physical being, you know, um, and all the different things that went with that. And, you know, I, I love how he says, after you die, the divine light heals all the pain you've suffered in your entire lifetime, physical, mental, emotional, and otherwise. It's just like it's just all gone. It is all gone, and if you if you learn to let some unconditional love affect you, right? Like if if I do it by turning tuning into kind of like the starlight or the moonlight, or because Billy does a lot of stuff out in the universe. Like I I try to absorb some unconditional love. And um, it really does help help pain um, and help heal us. So, um, yeah, take life less seriously. You'll enjoy yourself a lot more. You know, preparing for this interview um, and just, I don't know, just, just the way Spirit Seeker is. <laughs> It's a it's a it's an experiment every single day. You never know who's going to call or who's going to email, and I'm sure it's the same way, you know, for you with so many people reaching out. And I, uh, but I I've noticed in the last few months, I thought, oh my gosh, my brother is reaching out to me because, you know, I've seen people that are almost like a physical clone to him, and it's always a shock when it's like, what? I mean, it's almost like there's your brother, and then you know it's not, but but it's. It's no, a, it's true. But, but hey, you know listen. What, you know what I'm talking no, about? No, this is true. I, all right, quick story. There's a gas station that I go to <laughs> because the guy who owns it reminds me of Billy. I don't know why. It's Billy's eyes or something. And I go there and I smile and I love to go there, right? And the yeah. other day, it was I was having a really special day, and he takes a bracelet out because he's Turkish, and he's like, my wife made this, it's $15, (laughs) and it's got all these, like, lucky Turkish coins on it. Like, that never happened to me at a gas station before. It was like, it was like amazing. So, I know this probably sounds flaky, but, but it wasn't. It was very real. It felt like a gift. It was like a special day, and so, you know, you are receiving Cindy, you know, by seeing people that, you know, you do, you just don't know how, how oh, these know. things happen, but they're very unique to you. That's the other thing. Like, don't necessarily expect anyone else to understand these, these oh, no. little stories because right. it's, they're very personal. Right. And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't share all the funny stories, but, you know, as a teacher, I get that opportunity sometimes. And, you know, there is, there's just been so many things that, you know, that's why when I read this book, I was just like, oh my gosh, Billy and Annie, thank you. Because you don't even realize how unique they sometimes are until you, until you realize that, my gosh, it's like this messenger from the other side, like hand delivered this gift to you, you know. And, oh, and yeah. you know, and and my mom, you know, I I had a big thing a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't dreamed about my mom in a long time, and there she was, and it was like, 
was as if she was just right there. And I remember waking up the next morning thinking my mom was like alive. And then I thought, oh my gosh, that was a dream. Of course she died like, you know, a long time, 11 years ago. And I just thought, I thought, oh, you were just doing your work from the other side, and thank you, Mom. I needed that. So, I mean, I talk to my mom, but I'm I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, I'm all the clairs, so I'm used to, like, getting messages that way, but it was so, like, vivid. It, it's like what you went through with your brother, and, you know, everyone's thing is different, but you know what I mean. And it's like, oh, yes, and I, dreams are a, big, oh. are a big way to experience, um, you know, visits. And and I suggest putting um, pencil and paper near your bedside and asking for a dream. And over and over, persist, keep asking. Right. And just, you know, if you just write a few words down, you know, and there it will be in the morning because so much happens in dream state that we don't remember. And so that's a very good suggestion. So listeners... Listen to Annie. Put that paper and pen there and, you know, turn the light on, write a few words down, and then go back into dream state. And be brave enough, be brave enough to trust your inner experience. Oh, my gosh. Well, Annie, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you're taking the summer and just listening to the wisdom of your brother and enjoying it. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be my guest. This oh, it's my pleasure, Cindy, to speak with you oh, always. Oh, my gosh. And so listeners, find Annie on Facebook, The Afterlife, Billy Fingers. And I just like the page because the more we all come together in consciousness, it's just one more way for us to connect and the um, the magical mystery tour to continue. Yes, and the book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, iTunes, everywhere. Yeah, and there's a there there are, you know right from the um, from the Facebook page, you know, buy my book. The app's right there, and you know the book trailers there. It's just fabulous. So it's all right there. And Annie, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Cindy. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, have a fabulous week. And uh, remember, this is a podcast, so you can uh, like the show. You can uh, send people to listen to it. It's recorded. It's available for them to listen to immediately after the show. So spread the word. This is the way we help other people through their sadness, their grief, and just coming together in consciousness. And remember what Billy says. You're supposed to take it a little more lightly and have some fun here. So... So, so it is. So, Annie, have some fun this summer, and we look forward to uh, following you on Facebook and seeing all the new things coming your way. So, thank you so much. All right. Good night, everyone.